Hello, and welcome back to Spain to Go, the greatest podcast in the entire multiverse about Spain and Spain-related issues. As usual, I'm your host, Daniel Welsh, and I'm here in the beautiful city of Barcelona. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about being a digital nomad, specifically why you probably don't want to be a digital nomad. A lot of people come to my blog or my website, expatmadrid.com, otherwise known as The Chorizo Chronicles. A lot of people come looking for Spain stuff, but I write also about general travel and digital nomadry from time to time. And um, it's one of those things that I've been doing since long before it was cool. Didn't even have the name. But now that it's, you know, more plausible for more people, it's become kind of a popular trend. So I'm not trying to ruin anybody's dreams here, but I would like to talk about some of the things that make it a bit difficult. However, let's start with the idealized version of digital nomadry that people on Instagram try to sell. For example, you wake up late, you're happy to find yourself in Thailand, just a short walk from the beach. You pour yourself a cup of coffee, answer a couple of emails, and then you pull on your flip-flops to wander off and spend the day surfing while your passive income rolls in. By the time you stumble home drunk at 2am, your bank balance has grown considerably. You've met all kinds of awesome people, and you're sure those suckers back home are envying the living shit out of you. Pardon my profanity. In fact, those suckers back home have been texting you all day to tell you how much they envy you. That's how awesome it is being a digital nomad. But is it really like that? Well, maybe. I've been to Thailand, but not the nomad parts of Thailand. In Bali recently, there's been a whole thing that sprung up around people doing a lot of yoga and becoming digital nomads. However, it's a little bit more difficult than what the uh, Instagram crowd tends to tell you. So, the harsh, the harsh truth, the harsh reality, you probably don't want to be a digital nomad. You probably don't even want to live abroad for any length of time. How do I know? Because I've lived abroad for a long time now, 17 years, last time I counted. And most people, at least most people who have moved to Madrid or to Barcelona, they end up going back to their country sooner or later. It's just more difficult than people think. So let's talk about digital nomadry. But first, just to clear this up at the beginning, I'm not really a digital nomad. I'm an expat, or if you prefer, an immigrant. I've been living in Spain for 17 years, like I said, about 13 of those in Madrid and the last four in Barcelona. For the last several years, I've been making a living exclusively through writing and blogging and various online things. So I'm location independent, but I haven't use that to just travel around the world. The last couple of years, of course, with the whole coronavirus situation, traveling around the world was pretty difficult. 
At most, what I settled on as a system was that I would travel for about a week every month, but still have a home base. I would have my friends. I would see my friends for, you know, three weeks in a month, and then I would go off and have adventures for one week in a month. And that was great. It's a lot easier than trying to just live out of a suitcase for two years or something like that. So I've traveled a lot since quitting my day job, but I'm not really interested in going full-on digital nomad. Why? Well, here's the reasons. First one, you'll probably end up as some sort of international criminal. I mean this in the most flattering possible sense, but like I said, I've been living abroad since 2004. My current lifestyle and even my past lifestyle, all of my lifestyles here in Spain, would have been impossible if I had tried to follow every single tax law and immigration law in both the US and Spain all this time. You have to be a little bit comfortable with the fact that your bank in the US is going to have a huge problem with you being abroad. They might close your account. They might give you all kinds of problems. They might, you know, need a U.S. phone number or a U.S. address so that they can confirm data. You have to be able to deal with these things. Having uh, bank accounts, having income in multiple countries sounds kind of cool and James Bondish, but let me tell you, it's not as uh, James Bondish as you think. It can actually just be a pain in the ass. Also. You might have visa troubles in one country or another. If you go to Thailand specifically, when I was in Thailand a couple of years ago, there were all these agencies where they helped to organize a border run for you. You know, you, you live in Thailand, you go to Cambodia or something for a weekend, you come back with your passport stamped again, and you have another three months to live in Thailand. It's not ideal, I guess. It's probably kind of a pain in the ass. Here in Spain, you can't do that anymore. Um, I've met some British people who moved to Spain in the, in the 70s or whatever, and that's what they were doing in the 70s, is just running down to Gibraltar once every three months to, uh, to renew their tourist visa, and you, know, you can hang out for indefinitely. You could hang out indefinitely in the 70s. It's not the 70s anymore, so... Spanish bureaucracy is a pain. I'm sure that bureaucracy in whatever country you're from is also a pain. Doing bureaucracy in two countries simultaneously is a bigger pain. So wherever you're living as a digital nomad, you'll probably be in legal limbo with somebody. Can you handle it? If you can, go nuts. The next thing that uh, I would like to talk about, one of the other reasons why you might not want to be a digital nomad, is that you really have to hustle. People have this idea. This was happening at least a couple of years ago before all the lockdowns, but people have this idea that you can just quit your job, sell all your stuff, move somewhere, and then decide you're going to start a business. Not really the best idea I've ever heard. You probably should keep your day job, figure out what kind of business you're starting, start your business while you're working your day job. Continue doing this until you're more comfortable because I can see serious problems with move abroad, 
and you know move abroad first and ask questions later so I had to work my ass off to get to the point where I had enough location independent income that I wasn't worried every month about paying my rent. You might have to as well. Of course, if you live in a country that's really, really cheap and you've managed to, I don't know, sell a house back in your home country, you might be able to get by for a long time on just your savings. But moving abroad and then deciding what kind of business you're going to start is kind of a bad idea. Also, if you're living in a foreign country, you might not have access to the social welfare system, if that country even has a social welfare system. You might not just be able to pop over to the unemployment office if you uh, need some extra cash. You might have some problems. So it would be a good idea. Nobody's going to pay you for not working if you're a digital nomad, if you own your own business, you have to work sometimes every day. If you don't, nobody's going to pay you. You can't lie around feeling bad. You can't, you know, I'm freelance here in Spain. So if I want to go on vacation, I can go on vacation. But nobody's paying me for uh, taking days off. If I get sick, well, that's nice because I still have to earn an income while I'm sick. So it's a little bit harder than some people think. Anyway, I also know some full-time digital nomads, and they work even harder than I do. They're trying to be photographers or influencers while traveling around the world. It's hard work. It doesn't, uh, you know, you don't see the hard work behind the pictures on Instagram, but let me tell you, there is hard work behind those pictures. So definitely something to consider. But what about passive income? I hear you asking. Well, passive income is great. I love passive income, but a lot of what people call passive income is not exactly passive. Passive income would be if you invest something in the stock market and you get paid a dividend, if you invest in bonds and you get paid interest, something like that is actually passive income. But a lot of the stuff that you think of as passive income is actually far from passive. I like to think about the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones, every time Angie plays on the radio in South Korea, the Rolling Stones get a royalty check. But guess what? The Rolling Stones have also spent 60 years uh, blatantly self-promoting and touring and just being in the public eye for 60 years. If they hadn't done that, if they had given up in, you know, 19... 71 or something, we might not remember the Rolling Stones and they might not be earning as much passive income as they are now. So passive income is great, but hard to live off of. You can, of course, do some math. I've got other articles about the financial independence movement. And of course, you can do the math and you can figure out that if you're earning 6% interest on some money or 6% in dividends on some money, you can live off of that 6%. But guess what? You need a lot of money. I would need a million bucks if I was going to just live off of dividends. And hey, don't have a million bucks yet. So that kind of passive income life strategy is not working for me yet. You can also, I know people who do this, you can also buy 
apartment buildings, rent them out, etc. But people who do that also are working pretty hard, at least for a while, in order to get that set up. I know somebody in the US who does this. You know, she's famous on YouTube. She uses the YouTube money to buy apartment buildings. She goes out and she renovates apartment buildings. And, you know, so now she's got 12 different families paying rent to her every month, which sounds great. But she's also renovating these things herself with uh, a friend of hers, I believe. She's out and she's stripping paint and she's painting walls and she's installing shelves and all of this stuff. It's a lot of manual labor to get to the point where you're just sitting around and cashing checks on the beach. So you can take those things into account before uh, moving abroad. Another thing about the legal limbo is the there's a visa here in Spain, the non-lucrative visa, which people are trying to get a lot. And a lot of people are under the impression that it's a remote work visa. It's not. Every lawyer I've talked to says not a remote work visa. People are sometimes able to get it and then work remotely. But once again, that's a legal loophole that might not work out indefinitely. The non-lucrative visa is a rich person's visa. You're meant to be living off your savings. If you have 30000 in the bank, they might approve it, but they might also say, well, what are you going to do after you run out of that 30000 And they do not want to hear that you're going to get some online job. They want, you know, people who are able to support themselves indefinitely, which, you know, if you have that kind of money, that's great. But a lot of people don't and makes it more difficult. Finally, traveling a lot tends to change your personality. Well, I know a lot about this. Once you're out of your normal environment with your normal social pressure, you just might find yourself acting a lot differently than you did back home. For me, this is pretty good because I grew up in a very conservative place full of very strict religious people and conservative wackos, basically. You know, gun-toting conservative wackos, the whole... Arizona experience. So I'm a lot happier being over in Europe without that kind of social pressure towards conformity. But some people, some people uh, do better with some amount of social pressure. Being a digital nomad can be very lonely at times. You can check out the Facebook groups and forums online. I don't know if there are forums. Back in the day, forums existed, but definitely Facebook groups for digital nomads. One of the most common things people say is, how do I find a life partner? Everybody I know is not a digital nomad, and um, you know, there's only a limited number of life partners to go around for people who are location independent and want to travel the world. So your, your friend circle can have a pretty high turnover rate if you're living abroad you can you can have trouble forming stable relationships especially if you're traveling all the time and i should mention this reverse culture shock is a bitch if you spend a lot of time out of your small town in kansas or ireland or wherever 
Poland, and then you go back home, you just might find that you don't fit in anymore, that you don't have the same uh, interests as you did before, that you've had a lot of experiences which people back home do not understand at all. And you might think that they would be very interested in knowing what you've been doing this whole time. You might think that you will go back and people will think, oh, you know, Johnny is such an interesting, well-traveled guy now. Probably most people won't. Probably they'll just be like, hey, what's up? And you'll have to try to go back to your normal life without, um, well, with a whole lot of extra experiences and things like that that make it a little bit difficult to fit in back home. So, do you really want to travel around the world for years on end? Maybe you do. And if you do, you definitely should. Do you want to live abroad for a long time? Maybe you do. And if you do, you should. But I've met a lot of expats and digital nomads throughout the years, and a lot of them say it's uh, sort of exhausting eventually. A lot of people end up back home a lot of people have student loans to pay, and a Spanish salary is not um, going to allow them to pay it ever. And yeah, they just uh, get tired of, of the low salaries, of the disorganization, of the bureaucracy. They go home. And that's fine. They've had an adventure. They've spent a couple of years abroad, and good for them. Hanging in for the long term is a totally different matter. Once you've got a phone bill, once you're trying to deal with immigration people for years on end, it can be a little bit rough. So travel, of course, is one of these things that can expand your mind and just might expand the minds of those around you. But it's not easy, especially if you're planning on doing it forever. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Spain to Go. As usual, it's just my opinion. If you are successfully digital nomading and you would like to talk about it, you should definitely send me a message. You can go to expatmadrid.com and there's a contact form. You can find me all over the internet, technically, if you just Google my name. Please send me a message. I would love to hear from some successful digital nomads. You can be on the podcast if you want, and we can talk about what makes you a successful digital nomad and your recommendations. Because to me, the whole thing sounds exhausting. Anyway, there's a lot more, expatmadrid.com, and you can find me on all of the other social networks. I'm on Instagram, if you'd like to see some photos of Spain stuff, at Daniel Welsh. I'm on Twitter, but I don't recommend you follow me on Twitter. I'm trying to spend less time on Twitter these days, actually. And I'm on Facebook, too. If you're living in Spain somewhere, you want to hit me up on Facebook, let me know. I love uh, meeting people. Anyway, I hope you have a great day wherever it is you are in the world. And until next time from beautiful Barcelona. Bye.